Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Merry Christmas, Valley Church. We are down to the final countdown, right? The week before Christmas. It's crazy. We're stressed out. But right now, I just want you to take a deep breath with me, put aside all the crazy, stressful thoughts, and we're going to focus on Jesus this morning just for a little bit together. Don't worry. Your kids, your grandkids, Valley kids are coming back in here again to lead us in a final song. And I'll make sure that you're all seated so you can get pictures and stuff for your kids during that song. But that was really special to be led in worship by our children. Um, We are in the final week of our series, The Gift. We've been looking at the three gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. They were very unusual gifts for a baby, but they were perfect gifts for baby Jesus. So just in review a little bit, week one, we talked about the gift of frankincense and how that was very significant because it represented the priestly nature of Jesus who would offer his life once for all, and he would sympathize with us. Then last week, week two, we learned that the gift of myrrh represented Jesus as the suffering servant or the Lamb of God who came to die for the forgiveness of our sins. And today, we're going to be looking at the last gift, the gift of gold that the wise men gave Jesus, and it represents Jesus as king. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles or grab your phone, use your Bible app to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, that's the first book in the New Testament, and we've been reading this passage um, the last two weeks each time, and we're going to do it again today. Because um, rereading scripture, God can teach us new things every time we read it. And that's what I hope he'll do through it again for you today. He did to me this week as I was studying and reading it. So join with me, Matthew 12, or Matthew 2, sorry, 1 through 12. It reads, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, 
Bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they'd offered him gifts. they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Father God, through your word this morning, would you by your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. God, help us to focus on the truth of your word, reveal fresh truth to us, challenge us, convict us. And Jesus, would you help us to see you as king this Christmas? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my main point for the message today is that I want you to leave here with this stuck in your head all week as you get ready to celebrate Christmas. Don't miss the king this Christmas. Don't miss the king this Christmas. As we look at this passage in Matthew, Matthew's main theme or idea in writing his book was that he wanted people to know that Jesus is king. Specifically, he wanted the Jewish people to know that Jesus is your true king. He is your Messiah, your Savior that you've been waiting for because so many of the Jewish people rejected Jesus. And so Matthew takes the time in chapter 1 to trace Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Abraham for them. Now in week one of our series, we learned that these wise men that Matthew spoke of were from the Magian tribe. They functioned as spiritual advisors for nations and kings. And so the reason they were called wise men is because they were sought out and consulted about the future. The fact that so little information is given about these wise men clearly shows that Matthew's interest was not focused on the wise men themselves, but rather in the fact that Gentiles came and followed a star to worship the Jewish Messiah and also in the gifts that they bore. You see, these wise men knew that gold would be the perfect gift for a king. So here we find them in chapter 2, seeking the one who is to be born king of the Jews. Now, go with me a little bit back in history to better understand this passage. We read of the Magi going to Herod and asking him, Hey, do you know where he is who was born king of the Jews? And there is one word in that statement that bothered Herod. Can you guess what it was? 
king. The word king bothered Herod because he was the king of the Jewish people. And that was a threat to his throne. A few things you should know about Herod. Herod was not Jewish. Even though he was called king of the Jews, he was an Edomite. He came from Jordan, east of the land of Israel. And his father's name was Antipater. This is all history that you can go and look up. Antipater, his father, once helped Rome, and so Julius Caesar had gifted Antipater reign over all of Judea. And when Antipater died, then Herod, his son, also known as Herod the Great, took over and became king. But what else you should know about Herod is that Herod was cruel. He was a cruel king, and he was a very paranoid king. He was so scared that someone was going to take over his throne that he murdered one of his several wives that he was threatened by, and he also murdered two of his sons that he was scared was going to take his throne. If you'll notice, when Herod's not happy, ain't nobody happy, right? Like that saying, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy in the house, Okay, and we see from these verses that when Herod heard that, it says he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him when they heard this. Now, in the ancient world, when you took the throne, you would wipe out any competing bloodlines that could threaten your throne. The gift of gold that was given by the wise men was very significant because it represented the kingship of Jesus. Gold is called the king of metals and the metal of kings. Gold in the Bible is symbolic of God. It represents the most precious of metals and it's extremely rare in its purest form. The intrinsic value of gold has been established since ancient times. Um, gold was used to honor kings. So the gift of gold that was given by these wise men, it pointed to the only begotten son, King Jesus, who was given by God to be king over his people. These wise men were looking for their true king. And after following a star that was put in the heavens, by God, it led them to their king. But they didn't find their king in a palace. In these verses it says, they just entered a house. Plain old house is where these wise men found King Jesus. You see, most kings are found in a palace, but not King Jesus. Jesus came meek and lowly. He came gently and humbly. And his humility was a sign, not of weakness, but of great strength. Think about this. What's inside all of those perfectly wrapped presents that you find under the tree on Christmas morning? 
Does the big box hold a better present than the small one? Does the one that rattles like the baby rattle here, does that one better than the one that's quiet? Can you tell how much you'll like a gift by the size of the bow on top or by the shininess of the paper? Sometimes it's easy to think so. Sometimes the size or shape or the wrapping of a gift makes us believe that what's inside will make us happier than any other gift we could open. But sometimes, lots of times, we're wrong. So here's an example for you. Early on in my marriage, (laughs) this is like year one or two, I told Jonathan after we moved here, I would like to have air fresheners for our house, for all the different rooms in our house and for each of the bathrooms because we would have a lot of family and friends come and stay with us. And I just thought that was a polite thing to have in our home. I wanted our home to smell good. I especially wanted one in the bathroom that was right off the dining room just for, to, you know, be polite. But at that time in our marriage, we were trying not to spend money on things that didn't really matter. Now, keep in mind, you can get like a, a thing of air freshener for like a dollar, right? At the dollar store. Well, I guess it's $1.25 now. But, okay, so they're not expensive. But we're trying not to spend money on things that didn't really matter. And to Jonathan, air fresheners did not matter. However, that Christmas, he thought that he would spend the extra money, remember, like a dollar a piece back then, and buy me a bunch of air fresheners for all the rooms in our house, okay? And like, I wish you could have seen his face that Christmas. He was so proud of his gifts. He could not wait for me to open my gifts Christmas morning. And so like, there I was, I'm like excited because he's excited, I don't know what's inside. And I open the first gift, and I'm like confused and irritated because it was one of my 9 by 13 baking pans that I had been missing from my cupboard. (laughs) And like, not only that, but there was an empty paper roll tube that was taped to the top, like with duct tape, to disguise it. So I went, no, and I'm like looking at him and he's just dying on the couch laughing. But he can tell that like, I'm not that amused. Like, I don't get it. What am I missing? And he's like, go on, there's more. Open it up. So I like take the lid off and lo and behold, a bunch of air fresheners inside. And he was like, see, and then he runs and he grabs another one. And he's like, I got another one, like a knot. And so I'm like, okay. So I opened that one, another missing nine by 13 pan from my cupboard. And I like take off the list. There's a whole bunch more air fresheners. And he's like, I wanted you to make sure you didn't run out of air fresheners in our house. And um, just so you know, Jonathan, believe it or not, This last week, I used the very last air freshener in our house. (laughs) That actually is not a joke. And I was laughing. And we were laughing about that story. Now, I have to say, 
it's actually kind of embarrassing for me because it reveals like, like this ungrateful attitude, kind of selfish, prideful. But what I, the point I want to get across to you is that you can't tell a gift by its wrapping. And too often we think that we can tell what's inside another person from the clothes that they wear, the uniform that they wear, the house they live in, the car they drive. Sometimes the most precious gift we can receive comes in the smallest or most unusual package of them all. Now let's go back in time together for a little bit and I want you to imagine what it would have been like if you were a Jew when Jesus was born. Because remember, the Jewish people were waiting for their king, their savior, their Messiah to come in like a mighty warrior and destroy their enemies. But the Messiah, the king that God sent, the gift that he gave us, came wrapped much differently. He came wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. A simple manger became God's throne. And God's own people, the Jews, rejected Jesus as king because he didn't come packaged how they thought he should. Jesus came humbly and lowly and you know, many Jews today are still waiting for their king to come for the first time. Now, we celebrate Christmas every year remembering the king came. King Jesus came for the first time. But did you know that he's coming again? He's coming again for the second time, and his second coming is going to much, look much different than his first. I want you to turn with me to the end of the book of Matthew, to chapter 25. Matthew 25. Matthew opens his book in chapter 2 with the first coming of Jesus as king, and then he closes out his book right before Jesus' crucifixion, looking at the second coming of Jesus as king. Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. We'll read to the end of the chapter. It reads, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? 
And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the second coming of Jesus as king. And this time, King Jesus will come in all of his glory with all his angels, and he will sit on his glorious throne. And then a judgment will take place. All nations and peoples of the earth will be gathered before King Jesus, and he will begin a separation of the sheep from the goats. Scripture says in Hebrews 1.3 that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Notice on what side it said King Jesus will put his sheep. On his right side. In the biblical world, the right hand is very significant. It signifies honor, favor, blessing, sonship. And those of you who have trusted and believed in Jesus as your Savior alone for salvation, on that day, King Jesus will bestow upon you honor and favor and blessing and sonship. And he will say, come and inherit the kingdom. Why? Because you saw him. You gave him food. You clothed him. You visited him. You gave him a drink. When you noticed and saw the least of these and met their needs, you didn't miss King Jesus in the world. But the passage goes on to say that many won't see King Jesus. Many will miss him. Many will even reject him. There are people right now who are missing Jesus as king. They're rejecting him. And at the second coming, it will be too late for them. Is that you today? Are you missing King Jesus this Christmas? You know, everyone worships a king in their life, whether they realize it or not. The question is, who is your king? And then, or a follow-up question, who do you worship? Ask yourself that question, who is my king? 
who do I worship? For some of you, your king is Jesus. You have surrendered your life completely to him. He has saved you. He has redeemed you. But there are others that are looking to a political king to save them, a government to save them. Some today are even looking within the church to a pastoral king or leader, and that is dangerous. Don't ever do that. But maybe you would say, I don't fit into any of those categories. I don't look to anyone as king in my life. And I would politely tell you, then you are deceived and you are wrong. Because if Jesus is not your king and you look to no one else on this earth as, you, as your king, then you, my friend, are your own king and you don't even realize it yet. Just the other week, in my 242 group, we were studying John 3, which has the most well-known verse, probably in all of the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But then we got to verses 17 and 18, and as we read them, we realized the incredible truth and the hope that is found in the following verses as well. Listen to these two verses. John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Of God. So many people today, and maybe some of you here, believe or you've been taught that Jesus came to this earth to condemn the people here. But that could not be further from the truth. That's not true. Jesus did not come to condemn, He came to save. He came to take people from an eternal death to an eternal life. Don't believe that lie. Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. The only person that can condemn you is yourself by choosing not to believe in Jesus as your Savior and King. And as we studied those verses, our 242 group said that verse 17 is hope and it is healing that people need to hear this Christmas. King Jesus didn't come to condemn. King Jesus came to save. Believe today that Jesus came as prophet, as priest, and as your king to save you. Why? Because he loves you and he knows you can't save yourself. The greatest gift you could give Jesus this Christmas is you. He gifted his life for you to be saved, and you can open that gift and receive him for yourself today. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. We all deserve death for our sin. What is sin? 
It's wanting to go our own way instead of God's way. It's missing the mark of being good enough to get to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. That's why you need Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift, you can't earn it, you can't work for it, it's free. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't get to heaven, you can't get to God the Father unless you go through Jesus, King Jesus the Son. And the Bible also says that today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Will you all bow your heads with me right now? If there are some of you here today who are ready to stop hiding, to stop running from God, to stop rejecting him, and you're ready to confess that you need him to save you from your sin, You want Jesus to take the place of king in your life. If you would like to do that today and you've never made that decision, will you have the courage right now to slip your hand up in the air with nobody else looking around, but this Christmas you want to give Jesus yourself. Just slip your hand up in your air right now. If that's you, you can repeat this prayer after me and know that the words you say are not magical words. They don't save you. It's what you believe in your heart when you pray them. You can pray, dear Jesus, I need you. I confess that I am a sinner. Will you please save me? I believe in your death and your resurrection for me. Thank you for the gift of salvation. I give you my life and make you king of my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, don't leave here without telling someone. Come tell me. Come tell Pastor Jonathan because we would love to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Tell someone that good news. But if you're here today and you've already made that decision, you already are a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you this Christmas to give King Jesus your time. We just talked about how it can be a really stressful time, right? Especially this week leading up to Christmas. Can I encourage you, Stop rushing through the Christmas season. Don't rush through this next week. Don't just go buy all the gifts, then stress out about wrapping them, then make the dozen Christmas cookies, then go to this Christmas party, go to this place to eat food, go spend time with family without first spending time with your king, without first giving King Jesus time. Don't give Jesus, your leftovers this Christmas. Give him first place. Set aside some time each day. We were challenging ourselves, each other, I mean, in our 242 group to spend some time this Christmas to just be still. 15 minutes a day is what we said, and we recognize it's, it's hard for some of us. We struggle. But we said, turn off the TV. 
Turn off our phones. Turn off Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, social media, whatever it is. Just shut it off for 15 minutes and just give Jesus your time. Be still before him. Maybe it means even going on a walk alone and talking with Jesus. Maybe it's writing a letter to Jesus this year of what you want to give him in this next year, changes you want to make in your life. And if you're here and you're a parent, I have four kids of my own, so I understand the craziness and the up and down of the attitudes this last week before Christmas, but take time to be present with your children and make sure that you don't make Santa more of a focus or more famous than King Jesus. My greatest prayer this week for myself, and I've prayed it multiple times for each of you who are, who are going to be here today, is, um, Jesus, don't let us miss you as king this Christmas. Remember, King Jesus didn't come how people expected him to, and because of that, many people missed him. So my challenge to you is don't, don't miss King Jesus. Be on the lookout for Jesus this Christmas. Don't miss him when an opportunity arises for you to go out of your way to bless someone else, even if it interrupts your schedule or your plans, or even if it's for someone you don't even like. The gift that God sent was packaged unusually. Our king was born wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I've heard it said, if you want to find King Jesus this Christmas, then go low. Because Jesus walks the ground. Rather than setting up a throne from which to rule, King Jesus walked around the Galilee. And he sought out the lost the broken, the sick, the demon-possessed, those struggling with the toils of life, and he was fully present with and among them. Jesus entered into their pain, into their stories and their hurt. Life was hard and Jesus knew it. So he started proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And you know, I thought this week, If King Jesus were to come and visit our valley and walk around it, I think many of us would miss King Jesus. I think we wouldn't recognize him right away. Because I believe that King Jesus would walk around our valley seeking out the lost, the depressed, the shamed, the despised, the addicted, I believe Jesus would eat breakfast with the homeless. He would sing a Christmas carol to the lonely. He would send an encouraging text to a hardworking dad. King Jesus would be the one wheeling residents at the nursing home to their Christmas parties. King Jesus would stop to pray in Walmart with someone who's grieving and hurting. Jesus would drop a note in the mail to an exhausted mom and tell her, you're doing a good 
job. King Jesus would bring soup to a sick family. He would stop to listen to people's stories. King Jesus would visit the prisoners. King Jesus would whisper in the ear of the abused, you are loved and you are worth it. King Jesus would talk to those overcome with fear and say, don't be afraid. And King Jesus would tell the grandparents who are helping to raise their grandchildren, thank you for being faithful to take care of the least of these. These are what I believe you would find King Jesus doing if he came to our valley. And you know what? Jesus calls his followers to do the same. Humility, servanthood, meekness is what sets Jesus apart as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lastly, sometime this week, this is my last challenge, I challenge all of you to get down on your knees physically like the wise men and worship Jesus as King. In closing, will you stand with me? We're going to worship and adore Jesus as King right now. And I just want you to focus your hearts, your minds on the manger right here. A simple manger became King Jesus' throne. Worship Jesus with me as we sing this familiar chorus, just using our voices. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, for he coming meek, humbly, and lowly to this earth and being our king for saving us from death to life. Jesus, would you help us not to miss you this Christmas? Give us eyes to see you throughout our valley this week and in this new year. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.